Welcome to the Sword and Trowel podcast. Sword and Trowel is a ministry of Founders Ministries. Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Glad to have you join us again today as we hope to have a fruitful conversation about a very pressing issue that is uh, prominent, increasingly prominent in our national conversation here in the United States. Before we do that, we want to remind you about the upcoming Founders Conference in January of 2023. It's going to be here in Southwest Florida. The theme is What is Man? And we have only about 100 seats left. So if you're thinking about signing up for that, I encourage you to go ahead and do so. Also, the rates increase this week. So uh, go to founders.org. You can learn more about that, see the speakers, see the uh, plans that are being made. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. January, Southwest Florida is uh, great weather. You'd rather be here than most any place else in the United States. There's also a very interesting uh, pre-conference before the national conference as well with yeah. you and Vody Bach. That's right. I'm almost hesitant to even talk about it, though, because <laughs> it seems What did you get yourself into? <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a, a pre-conference on, on um, Christian nationalism. And we haven't said whether we're pro, uh, con, indifferent, or whatever, but the accusations have already started flying. Well, it's like a house bill. You have to pass it to find out what's <laughs> in right, it. You have, right. to to you have to come to the conference to, come to see the where we stand. What it, <laughs> and there's all sorts of controversy over Christian nationalism, and it has been that way, and it's blown up even more in recent uh, days, the last week or so. And I don't uh, understand all of the, the nuances of some of the particular debates surrounding uh, Stephen Wolf's book and Stephen Wolf's, uh, not Stephen, yeah, Stephen Wolf's book, an associate that he has a podcast with. I've tried to read a little bit about it. I've got friends that are uh, very opinionated strongly on both sides of these issues. And so I'm trying to just learn about it. But the whole idea of what does it mean to be a Christian in a nation? How should Christians think about their relationships locally? And then beyond that, and we're told to love our neighbors. Well, where does that end? Mm. And how do you love your neighbors? And what does proximity and any kind of identity beyond our primary identity as Christians, what role do those things play? Well, let me ask you a question. Is um, all things being equal, is an empire better than a nation state? Well, define what you mean by those uh, an Before empire. I jump into it. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is part of the the question. You know, it's it's um it's important, I think, for Christians to talk about. You know, it revolves around political theology, public theology, how Christians should operate in their societies, mm-hmm. in their nations, in their states. So, I think it's an important debate to be had, an important conversation to have as well. Without a doubt, and one of the things that you know, growing up in America, I just always assume that America is the gold standard in terms of uh, how we do government. And there's much to be said. Praise God for all he's done in America. But you can have legitimate governments that are not constitutional republics. And that's taken me a lifetime to uh, come to see that. But I I do think that given what we know about sin in a fallen world, constitutional republic has served us well. And I would argue for that as long as it is based upon a Christian understanding of the world Mm -hmm. and where you, where you lose that, you, you get where we are today. Mm -hmm. And so you look, it's not the form of government that is our problem. 
our problem is moral and spiritual, mm-hmm. and which means our problem can only be fixed by God, which means those of us who know God need to be seeking God and repenting and doing what we can to stand and proclaim the truth of God in Jesus Christ. So all of that is factoring into my own thinking about patriotism, uh, nationalism, Christianity, all, all these things. So yeah, we're going to have a, a fun pre-conference. So you can sign up for that as well. Get all the information you need at founders.org. Tomorrow, or actually this will be released today on Giving Tuesday. And so Founders is supported by the uh, kind gifts of those that partner with us and encourage you. If God's put you in a position where you can invest in this ministry, we would welcome that. The same thing is true for the Institute of Public Theology. In our second year, we've got some exciting things going on. We're ready ready to announce, at least by the conference, if not before, uh, some of the things God has done in our first year of existence as we're going forward now into the middle of the second year. we got Vody Balkum teaching a course in January before the conference for the Institute. And you can give to the Institute of Public Theology on Giving Tuesday or really through the end of the year and have your gifts matched. So your dollar will be $2 to IOPT. Encourage you to take advantage of that and help us as we build for the future. Well, I think there's a holiday sale going on in Founders Press Store as well, 25% off. So you can go there and check things out. Well, we were talking earlier about uh, one of our political leaders in the United States and a statement that he made recently that touches on something that ought to be of grave concern to all Christians everywhere, and that is family life and particularly children or childbearing. Chuck Schumer uh, had made a statement recently to sell his proposals on granting a pathway to citizenship for all illegal Im- immigrants in the United States today. And this is what he said. Listen, listen to this. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. All right, Graham, so there you have it. Uh, We have one of our political leaders telling us that uh, we have to welcome illegal immigrants because we're not having enough babies. Mm. And uh, accepting that is just, you know, that's the way it is. And that's the solution to this problem is not have more babies. The solution to this problem is welcome illegal immigrants and make them legal. Man, it's it's like uh, in terms of bad thinking and issues to talk about and try to understand from a Christian worldview, it's like shooting fish in a barrel on, mm. on this issue. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he's finally caught up with the fact that uh, us not having babies is a problem. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but there's such an irony there and such a wicked irony. I mean, <clears throat> this touches on issues of immigration and borders. Um, this t- touches on issues of family. But I think, you know, particularly for us, I mean, you think about Chuck Schumer and his political party or people of his same political bent. Which is? Democratic and liberal, um, and, leftist. Yeah, and and wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need to say it. If you read the, I've, I've read it recently, the Democratic platform. Uh, they enshrine abortion on demand. It's wicked. There's no other way to. So you're just a political partisan? (laughs) No, I try to have a moral compass that stays attuned rightly. So that's all. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. The, um, 
that he would make those statements uh, while at the same time his party so ardently encourages uh, the genocide of the unborn. Right. Right. We need, it is absolutely true. Like we are not having enough children, not just in this nation, but globally. Like there is, there is a massive global problem with depopulization, but it is true in this country as well. We're not having enough children. We're not going to have enough people to replace us. Our workforce is shrinking. We need more people to do work, but at the same time we're encouraging the killing of our children mm-hmm. on, on a mass scale and mm-hmm. the government funding of the murder of our children. Uh, we're encouraging the mutilation of the sex organs of our children so that they can no longer reproduce. Uh, we're encouraging homosexual marriage, uh, family units that cannot produce children. A- mm-hmm. And this is all really the base platform of the Democrat party and of the liberal leftists. Yet, uh, they don't see the the solution to the problem being, hey, maybe we shouldn't destroy the family. Hey, maybe we shouldn't dismember our children in the womb. <laughs> um, you know, the, the issues regarding immigration, um, obviously that's a huge problem. It's talked about a lot in, in the news media today. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some good there. And immigration can be a really good thing for our nation. It can be a blessing to our nation if it's done well, yeah. if it's done right. But it's clearly not being done well today. Yeah, and it goes back to this that fundamental principle that what we are facing, the crisis we're facing on so many levels, and here is one that uh, Schumer has highlighted, it's moral, it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to fix it with political policies. We're not going to fix it with new laws, though we need better policies and better laws. Uh, it's only going to be fixed by God. And I don't think, even in the Christian community, I don't think we see that as clearly as is already evident and will become increasingly evident and if we see it, if we really believe it, then we will be crying out to God mm-hmm. because only God can help us. Lots of issues in this. Let's take them um, uh, separately, at least deal with two of them. Let's talk about immigration. Mm-hmm. And we're in South Florida. We have lots of first-generation immigrants in our church, in our community. Uh, one of our elders is a first-generation immigrant. And uh, so this is not anything new uh, to us. When I came to Southwest Florida back in 1986, it was one of the, the first major issues that we had to confront and deal with. Is what, do we, what do you do with people who are in the country uh, illegally? And we had them. We had them all around us. We were ministering to them. Uh, I could tell story after story of some of the great challenges that uh, immediately faced here that I wasn't facing in Dallas, Texas, before uh, I moved here. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I wrote a couple of articles and uh, about the immigration challenges. And some of my conservative friends said, man, you've gone liberal. You've gone liberal <laughs> because... Uh, no, just sit down across the table and look in the eyes of uh, Christian brothers and sisters who are caught in this um, just unending kind of machinery that crushes people that's known as our immigration system. The laws contradict one another. Uh, you try to do right and you're punished. And, and if you go along with the current mindset that is not exactly legal, well, then you're rewarded. There's all kind of issues like that. And we have story after story. It, it was tragic. One story I'll, I'll just bring up now is we had a young man who uh, from Mexico was uh, arrested for drunk driving. We didn't know him, but after his arrest through that, some of our folks got to know him, began to minister to him. He came to faith in Christ. And he, you know, I want to honor the Lord. We said, okay, well, then you contact uh, the legal authorities and, you know, let them know because he was arrested and then he was just dismissed and they gave him a court date that he didn't make. 
So he goes and he begins a process of saying, look, I was arrested. I've got this. I didn't make my court date. And they just basically laughed at him. Yeah, they, they said, look, we're, we're not concerned about you. Just stay out of trouble. Just stay mm-hmm. out of trouble. Well, he's in the country illegally. So what do we do? And we baptize him, welcome him as a member. But we said, brother, you, you need to go home. You need to go back to Mexico. This is not right for you to stay here. And so he did that. He ultimately went back to Mexico to uh, be with his family and friends and to try to make a life there and, and uh, witness there. Uh, we have others, though, that have come and got caught up in scams where they were told this is a legal way to citizenship. And so they followed that, paid thousands of dollars that they'd saved up under very difficult circumstances only to have that, uh, have it discovered that that was a sting operation going after these folks that were fraudulently offering driver's license and uh, legal status to first generation immigrants that don't know the laws, don't Mm. know uh, the ins and outs here. And so we've gone to their embassy, contacted uh, immigration lawyers trying to help them. And they basically said, you're small fish. We're not concerned about you. If we ever get to your case, it will be years and just stay out of trouble. You know, don't, don't do anything wrong. And they're trying their, their own embassy can't help them now. Mm -hmm. So it's those types of realities convinced me years ago, our immigration system is broken. It needs to be uh, renovated significantly. Our laws need to be uh, made just and then enforced properly and, and consistently and there have been a few efforts along the way to do that, but they all get shot down for political reasons. So uh, I sympathize greatly mm-hmm. with those who want to be legal and are finding it difficult to be legal. We, we have a case here recently just <laughs> in our own uh, church where uh, immigrants came from Cuba. They're not allowed to work for the first year, but the government supplies everything for them. They want to work. They want to work. They're on the pathway to gaining legal status here, but they can't work. Well, we got people that need uh, workers in their businesses, and they want to employ them. But if they employ them, it becomes an illegal contract, and both employer and employee then become uh, liable to penalties that they'll incur. So they're being uh, demotivated mm. from working, mm. and it's injuring, injuring the worker. It's injuring the people that could use the help. And yet that's our immigration system. So the system needs serious attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't care which side of the political aisle you're on to give serious attention to the political uh, difficulties of our immigration system right now is significant. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, if a machine's broken, you know, you're supposed to put a material into the machine, the machine creates a def- different substance. If the machine's broken and it's not necessarily creating the substance that you're looking for, if you keep feeding it that material, what's it going to do? It's going to make the problem worse and, worse and worse. And that's what we have going on, I think, in our immigration today. The The machine is broken. We're not mm-hmm. able to produce people who are green card holders. We're not able to produce citizens. Um because everything is broken down, but we keep shoving people, we keep shoving immigrants into the system. Um, And so I think one of the first things we have to do in order to fix the system is we have to stop the flow of immigrants into the system so we can figure out what to do with those who are here now. Yeah, illegal immigrants. Yeah. I mean, we have have clear ways that you can be a legal immigrant in the United States, and those that I know that have followed that pathway – they say, yeah, there needs to be this. We want to maintain this. Mm-hmm. You throw open the borders and tell everybody that gets across that you're going to be given citizenship, you're exacerbating the problem, which is exactly what has happened under the current presidential uh, administration. Yeah, I just each, each year that he's been in office, it's uh, 
It's a record-breaking number, a number of immigrants coming in. And again, you know, the problem is not uh, immigrants. I know that there are many, maybe not many, there are some on the right who are very loud who um, would say that the problem is, you know, what's happening with immigration is we're getting people from all sorts of different races of all different nations. And what they're, com- what they're doing is they're coming in and they're diluting kind of like the gene pool here in the U.S. Mm. And that's not the problem no, at all. No, no, you know, no. uh, and that's not what we're concerned about. What we're concerned about is our, our system becoming bloated so that those who are come into the system themselves get harmed. And then our own nation, the, the, the structures in our nation, we don't have what it takes to be able to support those people. You know, if you're going to come into the, the nation and receive the privileges of citizenship or just the privileges of being in the nation, you also have to take on some of the duties yeah. of being here as well, the duties of being a citizen. Um, and what, what that means is, you know, paying taxes. Uh, it means uh, understanding, knowing, and having buy-in into the, the values and the political system here in, in the U.S. And that's not the case for many, right. many immigrants who do come in. Well, that's certainly not what's being argued for those like Schumer uh, who mm-hmm. say, oh, no, no, we need to throw this wide open. Uh, that's one of the things I've just uh, appreciated for as long as I've been aware of it is the process whereby uh, an immigrant can become a citizen of the United States. And I've known many like that. And it's always a highlight on that day when they are sworn in as citizens of the United States. That's it's like a goal attained, and it's not anything that they disdain. It's something that they've been working toward, and they're grateful to God for. And now then, it's like, no, 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 You know, everybody gets a citizenship. So just cross over the border, and we're going to give it to you, and, and there's not going to be the uh, the kind of standards you just articulated. And that is a, that's the destruction of a society. Mm-hmm. You do that. So we've already seen it with uh, many in the waves of illegal immigrants that have come over, uh, bringing in um, drugs that are just wreaking havoc in this country and also criminals who come in and have just terrorized certain communities and individuals and the stories of those are massive. So that's a problem that needs to be addressed. But the other problem is this whole idea of uh, childlessness mm-hmm. and uh, intentional barrenness, intentional depopulation. So Psalm 127, there are lots of places we could read, but let me just read this. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior or the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, you and Sarah are expecting uh, another child here mm-hmm. imminently. Yep, so, about two uh, weeks. Yeah, two weeks. This will be your third. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don and I had six children, have six children, and uh, they're now uh, having children. So we just had our 16th grandchild. Um, this psalm says children are a blessing. The man who has children, many children, is blessed of God. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is indicative of a a theme we hit here a lot, that the world has discipled Christians in America far more effectively than the church, and the church, even church leaders, have been discipled by the world far more effectively than the Bible, is the attitude toward children. Mm -hmm. Children are a burden. Children are costly. Uh, Children disrupt life rather than children as blessings. And I've talked to Christians who would count themselves mature. They would think themselves to be mature Christians and godly and wanting to honor Christ saying, you know, yeah, we're going to get married or we are married, but we don't want children. We want to serve the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord better without 
children. Now, thankfully, we've seen that attitude overcome by the Word of God many, many times mm-hmm. with uh, Christian couples. But very often, those Christian couples will dig in, and they'll just say, we're not going to have children. And I, my question always is, are there any other God's blessings that you're going to refuse mm-hmm. from him? You know, mm-hmm. What other blessings are you just going to say, no, God, you know, you're not going to give me that one. We don't want that one. It's You just see so clearly how our minds have been shaped by the world rather than the word. Yeah. Now, you've escaped that, and God's helped you to think rightly about this. Yeah, you know, even from... When my oldest was was very little, I mean, he's still little, but when he was very little, I just came to the realization, and I don't even know how, but the children are wealth, and that seems materialistic, and <laughs> but but I, it's it's more than just material wealth, you know. When when this psalm is written, you know, we d- they didn't live in an urbanized society, so a person who had many children had many laborers to mm-hmm. be able to grow vineyards, to be able to plant crops, to be able to tend the cattle and the sheep and all those things. So children very much were wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. it was an integral part of the family economy that you would have more children to be able to do more labor to be able to produce more and so materially children absolutely were very obviously a blessing Mm -hmm. but now living in a urbanized society most of us live on a quarter acre you know most of us don't have farms most of us don't have labor for our children to do and so what it looks like now is that as we have children, they're not wealth. They're not necessarily a blessing. They're not an integral uh, economic piece of our family, but rather they're a bit of a drain yeah. economically on us. I have to pay for their food. I have to pay for their clothes. I have to pay for their doctor's visits. I have to pay for their school. And what do they provide for the family? Not really. <laughs> Dirty anything. diapers, yeah. messy rooms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, it seems as though the blessing can be shrouded, but that's only because we're still looking at it through a material lens. That's right. Um, And the blessing is not just material. It can be, and that's Mm -hmm. great when it is, but it's not just material. And and Christians, we're not materialists. We are more invested in the kingdom of God than we are in the kingdom of this world. And so when we see our children as blessings that can not just be fruitful in what they produce from the ground in our farms, but they can also be fruitful in what they can produce in the kingdom in going into the future, Mm -hmm. absolutely children are wealth. Absolutely children are a blessing. So I think today it's not as easy to see them quantify as a blessing. You can't quantify the blessing, the material mm-hmm. wealth. Um, but that doesn't make the promise any less true. That's right. Yeah. And we need to be wise and think biblically about these things because we have friends that think, you know, well, you, of course you ought to have as many Christ- uh, children as you can because you're having Christians, you know, these children yeah. are little Christians. Well, no, they're not little children. They're not little Christians. They don't come into the world Christian, but they do come into the world in Christian homes. Mm-hmm. And so they are blessed in that sense. They are holy, set apart to the yeah. Lord because my children growing up in my home, your children in your home, can say, well, my father's God is my God in a way, uh, talking about the true God in a way that a Muslim child in a Muslim home could not or a pagan situation could not. So we recognize these are gifts of God and they're opportunities for us to evangelize and disciple from their earliest days with great anticipation and hope that they will become Christians, but without any presumption on our part that because they're our children, they're going to be Christians. And this is a fine line. I I think God helps us to think this way. How does a person become a Christian? Well, there's no second path. There's no different path for children born into a Christian home versus children born into a Muslim home or any other home. my, My father was a Muslim. I was raised, was, was born into a Muslim home. And uh, my grandfather was a Muslim. And so there's, there's no 
guarantee that, oh, well, you need a separate path for that versus the children that were born mm-hmm. into my home who came into a Christian home. No, we, we all are born again by the same spirit. We all believe the same gospel. We all must have the same Savior, Jesus Christ. But God uses means. Mm-hmm. And how does God save people? It's through the proclamation of the gospel. It's through the work of the spirit. How does the spirit work? Through the prayers of God's people. How does the gospel take effect? Through those means. And your children... They don't recognize it yet, but your children have been incredibly blessed because God's put them in a home where mom and dad teach them the gospel, where mom and dad pray for them. They keep them under the means of God's grace that he employs to save people, and we should expect them to be saved without Mm -hmm. ever presuming, that. oh, yeah, God's going to save them because they're my kids. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think the it's interesting that the, the promise is not necessarily, the blessing is not necessarily just in bearing children. The blessing is in raising That's children. That's right. Yeah. Right. And so for a Christian, a part of raising a child, there are many things that go into it, but predominantly it's evangelism and discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, evangelizing your children, discipling your children. Uh, catechizing them, teaching them the Ten Commandments, teaching them the gospel, uh, bringing them to church on a weekly basis so they can see the importance of the worship of their creator. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, these things are so vital. And so when a child is raised in that manner, then absolutely they're a massive blessing. But I'm also struck, you know, going back to Senator Schumer's um, remarks, he's realizing um, the fact that we're not having enough children. Therefore, our economy is going to be adversely affected by the fact that we just there aren't enough people entering into the labor force you know we you and i were talking earlier before the show about in 2022 and 2023 uh, the majority of baby boomers will be turning 65 which means the majority of them will be moving into retirement which is the largest exodus of skilled labor out of our workforce that we've ever seen and not only will we not have those laborers, but they'll also not be producing, they'll be consuming. Mm-hmm. And so who do we have coming up to produce to be able to support these? Sorry, no offense. <laughs> you just need to get a second job, Graham. That's but all I'm saying. It's it's just, it's so clear. And God's word, I mean, it's just echoed in nature. Uh, societies yeah. cannot be sustained if they're not receiving the blessings of the Lord in children. That's right. And and so, yes, we read it in the word, it's there, but it's again repeated over and over again for us in nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nation societies will not do well if they're not bearing and if they're not raising children. Yeah, that's right. And it's just so important for Christians to get a biblical understanding of children and family. And again, I praise God that he's granted that to us in our church. And so we we have this massive amount of uh, young children and children being born. And one of the ways that I see the Lord working in and through that is we have women in the church would love to have children that cannot Mm -hmm. have children. And God strengthens them to rejoice with those who are able to have children and to serve. And so some of our, mm-hmm. our most uh, diligent prayer warriors and, and workers are women who love children who are not having children of their own. Some have adopted and fostered and volunteered in the church and coordinate ministries. And we praise God for that. It's, yeah. it's because of this biblical understanding that indeed children are a blessing from the Lord. And I love the imagery that the psalmist goes on to talk about that they are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Mm-hmm. You, well, what do you do with arrows? Man, you shoot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you string them. You have a target. You're trying to hit something. And if Christian parents are thinking, right, okay, God's given me these kids. Well, for what purpose? 
Well, they need to be launched, mm-hmm. not to be kept. We're not going to try to hang on to them forever. We're going to try to prepare them to make their mark in the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm a, I don't know if it's fair to say I'm a bow hunter or not. I've, I've never <laughs> harvested anything. I did shoot one thing, and I missed multiple more. But, uh, you know, to see an arrow that has hit its target, you're not using that arrow anymore. That arrow is used up yep. because it hit where it was supposed to hit. It accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want, man. We want the kingdom of God to expand through the workers that God calls to himself, equips, and sends out into the harvest field. And we have opportunity in our homes, mm-hmm. no guarantees, but tremendous opportunity by taking seriously what the word of God says to bring children in the world, to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of Christ, plead with the spirit of God to grant them new life in Christ, equip them, launch them. Yeah. You know, that that text is the theme text for the school that we started here, mm-hmm. classical Christian school called the Fletcher school. Yeah. And Fletcher is a person who makes arrows. And so our hope is that the school will be able to come alongside parents as the Lord uses parents and families mm-hmm. to shape those children into arrows so that when they graduate, when they leave the home, they can be fired out into the kingdom of God and, yeah. and advance the kingdom of God in that way. Amen. This is something that every Christian church ought to think about seriously, teach on, and every Christian parents certainly ought to think about. And so if you're one of those parents who thought, well, you know, I'm just not interested in having kids or you know, I might have one or, you know, 2.4 or whatever the national average is now. Uh, if you're thinking like that, go back to the scriptures and just ask God to show you what he says about children and the purpose, part of the purpose of marriage, significant part of the purpose of marriage is to have children. And if God's not allowed that for you and, and you find yourself in that situation, man, there are other ways to bring children into your home. There are other ways to serve children in the homes of others through your church and through other organizations, adoption uh, companies and, and uh, the foster care organizations. Mm-hmm. You, you can be involved in serving children, knowing that as you do so, you're recognizing children as a blessing of God. We commend that. Uh, Chuck Schumer stumbled on uh, a partial truth, but Mm -hmm. he did so on his way to a horrible way of thinking about the issue. And as Christians, we need to acknowledge, okay, you know, this, this is right. This is good. This is true. And ask the Lord to strengthen us to, um, to bear children according to his will for purposes that will bring him glory. You know, it's interesting. The, um, the world, particularly in our nation, will never be able to replace themselves. Again, we've talked about it. It's, we've we've come into a society of death where abortion um, is has become so important. Um, the mutilation of children, um, homosexual marriage, like they just they can't reproduce. Um, but Christians do reproduce. Mm-hmm. And the challenge for us, and it's been chal- a challenge for decades now, I don't think we've realized it, is we need to not reproduce and then hand our children right. over to the world. And that's, that's right. what we've been doing for so long. They can't reproduce themselves, but they can take our children. That's right. And so um, the importance of fervent prayer for your children, like we said earlier, the importance of catechesis and family worship and taking them to church, 
um, is all so important. And uh, think long and hard about sending them to public school. Think long and hard about sending them to a public secular university. Amen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, we have the Truth and Grace Memory Books here at Founders we produced. Uh, it's one of the top sellers, I think, over the history uh, of Founders Press. And uh, we have those available. I encourage you to get them. It is a manual. Those are it's three volumes, manuals, age graded, to help parents and those who work with children to catechize them, to teach them to memorize scripture, to teach them some good songs about the Christian faith, to help establish the kingdom of God in their hearts and minds under the powerful influence of God's spirit. So look at the Truth and Grace memory books as well. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the Sword and Trial podcast. We're grateful for those who uh, support us and are partnering with us. If, if you'd share this podcast and subscribe to the various podcast platforms for the Sword and Trial, that helps us. It gives us an opportunity to be more widely known and distributed. And anything we can do to serve you at Founders, please give us the opportunity to do so. You can contact us at founders.org.